Okay, well, hopefully everybody's having a great day today. If not, hopefully God will bless you tonight and you'll have a great evening. If you can open up to Numbers chapter 32. Choices. Every single day, how many choices do we go through? From the time we wake up in the morning till the time we go to bed, and even when we wake up in the middle of the night, we have choices. Some of the choices that we have are tons of C's. I have like 11 C's here. One is the choice to be content, the choice to compromise, the choice to be complacent, the choice to be contagious. The choice to confront. The choice to be committed. The choice to be a comrade. The choice to count the cost. The choice to crown Christ. I think every day we have those choices that we have to make. We're going to look at Our main text will be in Numbers 32, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. Verse 1, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock. Now one of the things... That's a problem, is that they saw, and they liked what they saw. Now, you have to remember, just to set a little tone of what's going on here, there has been an inheritance given out by Moses to the different tribes. As we saw a few weeks ago, all the people complained the Lord was angry with them, so... They were going to die in the wilderness. They're dead now. This is their children that are moving into the promised land. And when I knew a few weeks ago, but I had a schedule that I was going to uh, teach again, one of the things that kept sticking with me all through these weeks was, why the heck did these people not want to enter the promised land, but stay on the east side of the Jordan River, where everything that the Lord had promised was on the other side of the Jordan River, on the west side. And it just boggled my mind. Like, why? I mean, this is something that for 400 years, and then all the time with Moses, they were trying to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. Yet, when they came to the Jordan River, some two, two and a half tribes wanted to stay on the east side. Now, as we know, The Old Testament, for us, is a picture of a lot of the principles in the New Testament. It's a visual. So one of the things we want to look at tonight is that whole thing where we are, on the east side of the river or in the promises of God, and what are those seas that are preventing us, maybe, from going deeper in our relationship with the Lord? Because every day... I believe 24-7-365, we can be wavering on that Jordan River. 
Now, one of the things in Jordan River, spiritually speaking, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As we enter in the promises of God, we've had our wilderness time. You know, we've been led out of Egypt, the world system, the slavery to sin. Uh, Moses as the type of Jesus. Jesus has led us out of slavery. We might be in a wilderness time right now. But I think some of you, the more mature of us here, understand there's a wilderness time of our lives that we've gone through to enter into the promises of God. Okay? And that is something that we all want to get deeper into a relationship, a deeper walk with our God. I think of 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Now, it was God's will for the Israelites to enter into the promised land, just like it is His will for you and for me. Why then did the couple of tribes, and why do we sometimes not want to into that deeper relationship with the Lord? What keeps us from going into a deeper relationship with the Lord? Verse 2, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying... Jump down with me to verse 4. The country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. Now, one of the things I see is the people had a lot of materials, possessions. They had a lot of livestock. They were wealthy. And in this case, they saw a land. And I'm trying to put myself in their place saying, okay, that's me with all this livestock. Boy, I see these beautiful fields. I see the, the river. I see the mountains. I see the lush green grass. Why can't I stay here? Why can't I be comfortable here? What's over there? I still have to cross this brook. I have to cross this river. I have to go on the other side where I know my father said there were giants. There were enemies to be taken. Why can't I be content right here? Well, in this contentment, in this easy feeling of resting here, remember, they've gone through the wilderness. It's been tough times. They've had tragedy, they've had death, they've had sickness, they've had hardship. And now they see this land. They can just chill out. Everything's here. What else do we need? But see, they did not have the mind of God. They had their own vision. They didn't have God's vision. God had a promise for them. They were content to stay where they saw it. What they saw was comfortable. Not understanding that what God had was so much better than what they saw. Where are you and I in our walk with the Lord? 
Are we content or do we want more? Is everything going status quo, spiritually speaking? Or are you being really challenged? Do you feel like you're in the wilderness? Do you feel like there's, you're dry? Or do you feel like you're pretty strong walking with the Lord? You understand and you've seen His promises fulfilled in your life. Are you content there? Does the Lord have more for you? Verse 6, And Moses said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Interesting. What would be the reply, or would the children of Reuben and Gad have said anything else if Moses didn't confront them? In other words, would their request have ended there? I believe Moses, being the leader that God made him, confronted them. Because what were they doing? They were not really heeding. Well, they weren't really. They weren't heeding God's word. God said, go into the land and possess it. Go into the land that's flowing with milk and honey. He didn't say, okay, pick two or three tribes and stay on the east side of the river. He wanted them to go into the promised land. So Moses here says, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now, one of the things that's important for us to see is that even when we enter the promised land, what is there? War. And that's why 24-7, 365, when we go to bed, don't take our armor off. It's the greatest armor in the world because you can sleep in it. You don't have to take it off. Moses goes on in verse 7 and says, Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them. The word I want to point out right here is discourage the heart of the children. In Acts 21.13, Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And what had happened, a prophet came down. Paul was on his way to Jerusalem. And he was told that he would be bound. And the guy was sort of a very good actor in acting out the whole thing. That Paul would be bound. And the guy got on the ground and was bound in the whole thing. So it was very visual. And the followers uh, or Paul's assistants said, hey, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul's answer was, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be bound, but to die at Jerusalem. Because, see, the Holy Spirit had been preparing his heart for the very thing that he was going to meet. See, 
He didn't count his life as precious. He knew, as we've read many a times, that when he was absent from, he said when he's absent from the body, he'd be present with the Lord. So he didn't fear death. He knew that God was in control of his life. So what is it that you and I might have holding us back and entering deeper into the promises of God? What are the strongholds that might be in our life that are keeping us from going further into the blessings of God? Verse 8, thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel so that they did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13:5, part of the verse says, Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Now, one of the things that the Lord put on my heart is when Moses confronted the children of Reuben and of Gad, he said, why are you discouraging the hearts of the children of Israel from going over? You know, you, too, need to help us. You, t- you have to be part of what's going on here. You can't just sit back and allow your brothers to go into war without being a comrade to them. You can't let just those people, just those warriors do it alone. We're all part of that warrior, of that war that's going on. And being a warrior is all of us. Each one of us are responsible to lift the arms of those in leadership, of coming alongside one another and fighting that battle, whether it be through prayer, whether it be physically lending a hand. And these guys are being confronted with this right now. Now, again, would they have answered the way they did if Moses didn't confront them? We will not know that. There's no way of telling that. But my guess is human nature would have, if Moses didn't say anything and said, okay, you can just have this land, they would have stayed there. At least a majority of them would have stayed there while the rest of them went into the battle. The body of Christ, which you and I can are made up. We're we're making up the body of Christ. Each one of us is a stone that God is building up to make that, that building strong. How important do you think you are to that building? How important am I to that building? Huge. Because the very structure of what that building can go through is only going to be each individual stone, how strong it is. You see, if that fireplace has a a weak brick or two in it, 
and there's a storm or a shaking of the building, well, there's a great chance that more than two bricks are going to be affected. You and I are those bricks. As we enter deeper into the promises of God, as we come alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ, we're just making that whole building stronger. In Philippians 2.4, it says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. It's very easily in any situation to be concerned with yourself. That's human nature. But the servant's heart that Christ creates in us as we draw in a deeper relationship with him, we'll see our heart changing as we're reaching out to others. And we're not me-centered, but Christ-centered. So when we think of some of the choices we have, are we making compromises in our life that's keeping us me-centered? Or are we taking that step of faith and going out and being um, in a company of other believers and growing with them and helping them along. Verse 11, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they have not wholly followed me. Shouldn't it be our prayer for one another that each of us are wholly following the Lord? Not partially not in a small percent degree, but wholly following Him. And then, of course, in verse 12, Caleb and Joshua, they're the only two in the original 12 spies that followed the Lord. No one else did. And the Lord blesses them because they get into a deeper relationship with the Lord and He uses them again to take all the youngsters into the promised land. Verse 14, and look, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. Now, you have to understand that Moses has been through everything. He's thinking that, oh, no, here we go again. These kids are just like their parents. It's going to be another 40 years out here. But we know that the Lord is righteous that he'll have all these people die in the wilderness too till he finds people that are wholly following him. Now, you know, you can remember when you were in high school. Just think of a time in high school, anything. Now, think how many years ago that was and how that time has just flown. Think about when you were in high school, if you can remember one week was like a year. I don't think that's happened anymore after you hit 20 and on. It seems like every year is a week. It goes faster and faster. Don't you and I want to be those people that are wholly following the Lord, no matter how much time is left, because we know how fast time is? How many of us, if we double our age right now, will be here when we double our age? Right? And how fast that time has already come. Holy following the Lord 
is a desire that God puts on our heart. Let's enter deeper and deeper into that relationship with him so we don't miss one thing that he has for us. In Acts 7, verse 51, it says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. And so do you. And in 1 Corinthians 8, 11, 12, it says, And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. You and I have a responsibility, just like these people had a responsibility, not to discourage others, not to dishearten others, but to build up, to be contagious in a good way, to build up one another, not to make a weaker brother stumble. And this is one of the things that Moses was concerned with, that this negative Negative feeling would just spread throughout the camp and that there'd be that grumbling and complaining instead of that anticipation. Hey, we're almost there. What does the Lord have for us? Come on, giants, let's go because our God is bigger than you. Let's go into the land flowing with milk and honey and see what's going on. Let's take everything that we see. The Lord says no matter where our feet go, it's ours. Let's spread out and take the whole land as far as we can see and as far as we can go. Are we like that? Are we willing to go that extra distance to see what the Lord has? Verse 15, for if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness and you will destroy all these people. The consequence of your choice not only affects you, it affects others. It affects your mate. It affects your kids. It affects your family. It affects your friends. It affects people at work. It affects people that you don't even know that's watching you. When we're walking and abiding in the Lord, we don't have to worry about compromise. We don't have to worry about um, commitment or being criticized for doing the wrong thing. We might be by the wrong people. But who cares who comes against us? If the Lord is for us, who cares? If the critical people are criticizing us. Verse 16, Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will be armed, ready to go before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. So now, there's over 40,000 of these warriors from this group that wants to stay on the east side that are going to come into the land with Joshua and fight. And one of the neat things that I wasn't aware of until I studied this is they're over there in the promised land for seven years. And there's no indication that they came back over to visit their families. That they were committed to the other tribes. They were fighting side by side, their brothers, until the battle was over. 
We need to fight side by side until the battle is over. When is that? When we see Jesus face to face. It's never over. Love Caleb, 85 years old, wants to take that mountain. We don't retire as a Christian warrior. We don't retire. We don't hang up our armor. Just think about that. Okay, you can hang up your armor now. You hit 70. Then you're open game again. You're open game with the armor on. How about when the armor off? So our armor stays on. See Jesus face to face. Then we can go. But not until then. It's a battle. It's a war. And why? You see this in verse 17. Why? Well, for the little ones. And you might say, well, all my little ones are big. Yeah, but there's more little ones. There's grandchildren. There's little kids at church watching you. There's little kids at the supermarket watching you. There's always little kids. And it's amazing how they can watch and pick up things. Verse 18, we will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. Again, commitment. Verse 19, for we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. Just want to turn for a second. And you can hold your place there. I'll read it to you. It's Proverbs uh, 20. 21. And it says, An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. And I just thought of these guys again. Why are they staying on that side? You know, is it because they just saw how nice it was? Was that it? Just, uh, just that visual? Let us not be quick to rush into anything without getting direct counsel from our God. Verse 20, Then Moses said to them, If you do this thing, if you arm yourselves before the Lord for war, and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. We're going to reap what we sow. It's always going to come back. And many of us know that. We can never forget God's word is true. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And I just want to encourage and confront you with that again. Are we, you and I, sitting in our comfort zone spiritually? Or are we willing to be stretched and go deeper into that relationship with the Lord? Into that promised area that He's given us? Verse 24, Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep and do what has proceeded out of your mouth. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spoke to Moses, saying, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our livestock will be there in the cities of Gilead. But your servants will cross over 
every man armed for war. Before the Lord to battle, just as my Lord says. In 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's one of our promises. Just like the Lord promised the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey. One of our promises is that crown of righteousness which the Lord is going to give us after we finish the race. And you know what's awesome? We're going to be able to take that crown. It's going to be a Frisbee crown. And we're just going to fling it at the Lord's feet. Just picture that. We're just going to give it to Him because we know that all good things come from Him. We're just going to honor and glory Him. For we're not worthy. But we're going to be in His presence and see Him face to face. Verse 28, So Moses gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the chief fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel, and Moses said to them, If the children of Gad and the children of Reuben cross over the Jordan with you, every man armed for battle before the Lord, and the land is subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead as a possession. But if they do not cross over armed with you, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. Then the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered, saying, As the Lord has said to your servants, so we will do. We will cross over arm before the Lord into the land of Canaan, but the possessions of our inheritance shall remain with us on this side of the Jordan. So Moses gave to the children of Gad, to the children of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Shion, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan the land with its cities within the borders, the cities of the surrounding country. One of the things with these kings that they mention in verse 33, Shion in verse 33 means warrior. He's a king of the Amorites. Also one of the, uh, he's also named the king of Hershbon or Heshbon. And that is, meaning of that word is stronghold. So I was thinking here, here's this warrior king that he had a battle. And it was a stronghold. It was a battle with a stronghold. I think of myself and the strongholds that might still be in my life that are keeping me from entering that deeper walk with the Lord. There's an enemy that's attacking me. He's attacking you. He doesn't want us to be effective for the kingdom. Our prayer is that these strongholds fall so that can we walk deeper in our relationship with the Lord. And then the king of Bashan, another thing, another name for Bashan is fruitful. When the strongholds fall, there's fruit bearing taking place. It's fruitful when our strongholds fall. Now, I know some of you here, including myself, I know there's things in my life 
that the Lord has done away with. And as a result of the sin in my life that he's done away with, there's been fruit that has come. But remember a few weeks ago, the pictures I gave out, remember the grapes, they were like the basketballs. That's what God wants to bless us with more fruit, bigger fruit. Do we want to enter into that? That fruit bearing that is just unbelievable what we're seeing. I want to close by flipping over to Joshua 22. And Joshua 22, if you get a chance, it's a good read that goes along with what we just read in Exodus 32. Chapter 22. And we're going to skip down to verse 5, but just to let you know that the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh did everything that they said they were going to do. So now Joshua is giving them their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan. But he confronts them. He gives them some very... Good words of counsel. Verse 5 says, But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And then after Joshua said that, he blessed them. If you take a look at verse 5, some very key things here. One is to do the commandment and the law of God for you and me. To do what God says to do in His Word. Not to question it. To act on it. To obey it. That obedience leads to the next thing. To love the Lord. Our our actions reflect our love for our Jesus. How much we love Jesus will be reflected in our obedience to His Word. They go hand in hand. And then finally, the third one is to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. To follow hard after him. To obey his word, to love him, and to follow him. That was the confrontation, that was the challenge. To these, these tribes, these tribes that were going back. That is our challenge. That is our confrontation by the Holy Spirit. To listen and heed God's word. To love the Lord. 
and to follow Him hard. Because when we do that, He will take us into the promised land. 